Hello there. This is Float On, the podcast that gives you guidance and insight in seeing more beauty along the river ride that is life. You can't go back, you can only learn and move forward. I'm your host, Dahlia Jean. Let's do this. So, hey guys, I hope you're all doing well. This episode is coming a little later in the day, mainly because I've been running behind like crazy. For those of you who may know, I've mentioned it before, I'm sure. I'm working on my master's degree right now. And I don't know, just kind of swallowed me whole the past week. Um, So I'm going to be recording this and editing it and then releasing it right away because it's supposed to be out today. It's February 15th. 2021. So this episode is going to be about mental health, but more broadly, it's going to be about sort of like whole body health and whole person health or whole self health, whatever you want to call it. And this is one of my like favorite topics, mainly because I just feel like it's such a big part of my own life, having that balance and understanding how to stay in touch with your health and what you need as a human being. So mental health is a huge part of it. But when it comes to mental health, it's kind of uh, all encompassing. You can't really have true mental health unless you sort of address all the other things. And maybe, you know, maybe you can work on your mental health. Like, for example, I've had a journey with counselor for a couple of years and just learning how to have healthy boundaries with, you know, family members and things and people who were affecting me on an emotional level. And it was definitely something I focused on when I was there. But now post counseling journey, I'm learning quickly that in order to sustain that and in order to maintain your mental health, you sort of have to start looking at your physical health and your nutritional health, your social health, your emotional health, all this stuff kind of comes together. It's like a it's like a web. And if there's a weak link at any point, that web is going to start to sort of fall through on you a little bit. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm just going to dive in and just kind of break down like what I think mental health is. Now, I want to be clear, and this is something I've been kind of learning as I listen to other podcasts, is I want to mention that, you know, I'm not a doctor. And I don't want you to take any of this as like medical advice, but more of just life advice, you know. To me, and when it comes to mental health or like my personal mental health makeup, physical health is a part of it. Nutritional health is a part of it emotional health, and also social health. And these are all things that sort of make up that mental health thing for me. When I when I think about my own mental health, there's, there is the mental health aspect, but the bigger part of that for me is like emotional stuff, right? Like how do I deal with life on an emotional level? I have always been an emotional person. My whole life, I've always been very touched with my emotions. I feel like it's always been sort of that leading voice in my life that I've always dealt with things in an emotional way. That's always the forefront for me of like my mental health is in an emotional sense. And I think for some of us, it can be different. You might need your physical health to be a big part of that. For me, that's becoming more important. But I I will admit that 
I've been very spotty over the years on my relationship with working out. Like I've put it off at times and I think we all go through those phases, but some people need to work out every day in order to feel sane and feel healthy and feel good. And it helps them deal with stress and all that stuff. So I think it's really important to just know that while these things all make up your whole health, the ranking of them is going to vary depending on who you are. It's just good to be aware of that. So I want to talk about what makes up mental health. So for me, like I said, first is like your physical health is going to affect your mind and your mind can also affect your physical health. It's sort of a back and forth symbiotic relationship. They're kind of there for each other. And if one is falling short, then, you know, the other might suffer a little bit. And, you know, full transparency here, guys, I am still learning to love myself in certain ways. The physical part is a big one. I can say that I have never been diagnosed with like body dysmorphia, but when I look back at pictures of myself in my younger years, there were times where I was very thin and I genuinely thought I was like a blimp. So, you know, it makes me wonder like, well, I don't know if I have a clear view of who I am physically or what I am, you know, like what size of a person that I am. It's hard for me to gauge that and be in touch with that. And so, you know, it's one of those things where like for me, that's a that's a weak point. Like I need to focus on working on that. And it's a journey. It's a journey that I'm focusing on this year. I think it started, you know, as a child, I was always a bigger girl. Like I had a lot of friends who were just naturally like little toothpicks in middle school. And I was like your full fledged woman, you know, like I had boobs and I had curves and I had all the things. And I think that the weight fluctuations throughout high school and college and, um, you know, that stuff has roots in my relationship with food, which always hasn't been so healthy and so great. I've struggled growing up in the diet culture. And, you know, if this is something that sort of connects with you where you're like, oh, wow, yeah, I've kind of had that struggle too. read into the diet culture, especially if you're around my age. I'm in my 30s. We grew up with our parents, many parents, and many just things in society, advertisements and in magazines and all kinds of stuff. The diet culture is so real and it's a money-making scam, essentially. Diets are made and built for you to fail. And so just learning how to have like a healthier relationship with food and not be on a diet, but just learn how to eat so that food benefits you is a journey. It's and I even still feel myself like sort of defaulting back into this diet culture mentality and it's so hard. And this is something I'm really focusing on for me this year because it does link to my mental health and it links to my physical health too. But it leads me into the nutritional health. You are what you eat. I mean, that's true. You literally are what you eat. Um, you always want to try and eat nutrient-dense foods. So nutrient-dense meaning like if you consider a food that has, you know, a lot of benefits to it, it's going to have calories too, but it's going to have benefits like nutrient benefits like fruit or vegetables. They have a lot of nutrients in them and that benefit is greater than just the calorie intake. Any whole foods try to stay away from processed foods as much as you can. And you know, it really does come down to what you put in your grocery cart at the store. Or, you know, if you're growing foods at home, that helps a lot too. But I make a lot of choices about my week by what I buy at the grocery store. You know, if I don't want to eat a lot of bread, I won't buy bread. And that helps. (laughs) For some people, you know, they're able to make that choice. But if it's there, you're going to feel like you should eat it so it doesn't go bad or whatever. So, you know, you just have to kind of stay in touch with 
what it is that you really want to make. Some people do like meal planning. I do like food prep. Like I love food prepping and making meals ahead of time and all that stuff. Anything that you can buy fresh, do it. Anything that you think you can consume within a week. And honestly, like sometimes I'll buy vegetables and fruits. And if I notice that they're going to start getting too ripe or whatever, I just cut them up and put them in the freezer. You can freeze a lot of things for like smoothies and things like that. So, you know, your nutritional health is a huge part of it too. I've found personally that my nutritional health affects my mental health. I've gone through, uh, you know, food sensitivity tests and things like I learned back. This was a few years ago. I was working with a friend of mine who's a holistic nutritionist and she recommended that I take this test, this uh, food sensitivity test. Okay. I was having a lot of digestive issues. I had a lot of stress. I had, I was having trouble sleeping, like constant bloating and gas and upset stomach and all these horrible side effects. Well, it turns out the number one thing that I shouldn't have been eating was egg. And I was eating eggs every day for a protein source, like egg whites constantly, and even just normal eggs, like mixed with vegetables or whatever. And it was, I was dosing myself with the very thing that was making me feel so ill every day. And that was affecting my mental health. I was stressed out about it. I had a horrible relationship with food because it wasn't making me feel good. I couldn't enjoy it. It was like torture. And I thought I was eating pretty healthy, but I was consuming this thing that was making me super, super sick to my stomach. Now that I've like cleaned up my diet and a lot of the foods that I eat, I've, I've gone plant-based and I slip up here and there, you know, but in general, I stick to it because I feel better. I've pretty much figured out that I'm, I think I'm completely lactose intolerant. Anytime I consume any sort of dairy or cheese or butter or anything, I'm paying for it and I can feel it pretty immediately. Sugar is another one. If I eat any kind of sugar, I notice I feel anxious and like stress affects me in a deeper way when I have sugar in my system. Uh, so I try to stay away from that. I don't even really eat a lot of fruits. I eat a lot of vegetables and like beans and lentils and stuff like that for protein. And, you know, I also make myself smoothies and I have like a plant-based protein powder that I put in. I like vanilla flavor just because you can kind of make it any flavor from there. Even if you want to do a chocolate flavored smoothie with stuff, um, you can just add unsweetened cocoa powder to the vanilla protein and you're good. You're like you're there. So I like it because it's just more versatile for me. I mean, if you love chocolate and you want to have chocolate every day, it's just you can't really change that flavor. It's chocolate, right? So you just have to have chocolate. Um, but that's just a personal tip for me. But in the grand scheme of things, it's just so important to be aware of what foods make you feel better mentally. You're going to feel more sound if you eat foods that your body is happy with. It, it communicates with you. Your body tells you when it's consuming something that's good for it. And it affects all kinds of things. Now, if you're the type of person where you're like, I'm so far gone, I don't even know where to begin. You should look into maybe doing some sort of a food detox or, you know, looking into these food sensitivity tests. The one that I did was called Everly Well. And you can go on their website and they do run a lot of sales and discount codes and stuff. So you can catch a sale here and there, especially if you join their mailing list. I think they send you like a percent off or something. So, you know, you can go on there. I know there's another one called the Pinner Test and there's probably a couple others, but 
It's just a suggestion. Don't, I'm not saying you have to do it, but if you're in this mode where you're like, I need to clean up my life, I want to clean up my mental health, I'm telling you the food aspect of it is huge. If you can just start with your food, you're going to start feeling indifference, I promise. Then there's like the emotional health part. And to me, like I said, I mentioned earlier, this was like the bigger one for me. And it's not really the same as mental health. Sometimes I feel like mental health and emotional health, they sort of get interchanged as terms, like people sort of just use them interchangeably. But really emotional health focuses more on being in tune with your emotions in like a vulnerable and authentic state. It's not really about being happy all the time. It's not really about always focusing on the positives. While that stuff is good for you, it's about catching those emotions as they come up and honoring them, like listening to them and deciding what it is that you need in order to process that emotion. Not make it go away. We're not doing that. We're not ignoring things. And that's a huge part of emotional health is dealing with things head on, not packing them away so that you don't deal with them ever. But it's about being non-judgmental to yourself and being more curious about your own feelings. I want to say that again. It's about being non-judgmental towards yourself and being more curious about your own feelings. Think about that word curious. Have you ever been curious about your own feelings? Think about it. It's kind of a strange feeling, right? But if you can actually take that time to say, why do I feel a certain way? Why do I feel sad? Instead of, I feel like crap. Okay, but why? What's causing you to feel that way? And if you can spend just five minutes really reflecting and thinking about it and kind of breaking it down, you'll understand a little bit more about your emotion. So an example I can give you guys is like, I'm a crier, okay? And I've sort of owned that. It's something that I don't try to hide. And sometimes I even make jokes about it. Like, you know, I'll be open about the fact that I'm a crier and I just... I own it. I'm not ashamed of it. People know that I'm a very emotional person and that crying for me is something that I do to cope with many different types of emotions. And, you know, when I first started dating Doug, I mean, geez, it's been five and a half years now. But when we first started dating, I feel like he would get upset if I was upset. But now he's learned that I tell him enough times, like, look, I cry to process different types of emotions. If I'm crying, it doesn't mean that I'm sad. Sometimes it means I'm really happy or I'm joyful or sometimes I'm just plain overwhelmed. And crying is a way for me to output some of that emotional energy. And it's just a coping thing that I do. So it's different for everyone. And it's just important to be willing to own your own coping mechanisms and be willing to be more open about processing them. And even just talking about it, talking about how you process things like even Kingston knows I cry. And he'll be like, mom, are you okay? Why are you crying? And I'll tell him like, oh, I'm just really upset or I'm worried or something. You know, sometimes it's adult stuff and I don't want to burden him with that stuff. But I do explain to him like, I just feel this certain way. I have some things in my life that have me feeling this certain way. And, you know, I just cry. Sometimes I just cry. I need to cry it out. And he's like, oh, okay. If you ever need a hug. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, I do need a hug right now. Thank you. And it can become this thing where you teach your children too. Like it's okay to have emotions. It's normal. What's not normal is bottling them up and then trying to figure out how you're going to deal with them later. That's not normal. What's not normal is keeping them hidden away and then exploding on the people that you care about. That's not normal. 
It's not normal to continue to lead relationships in your life that are not healthy for you because you don't want to deal with it. That's not normal. It's okay to face things head on, which leads me into the social health. This is sort of the last aspect of what I would call like whole self-health is your social health. Having people in your life that you enjoy spending time with, who make you laugh, who you like to make memories with, you know, a group of people that make you feel like you truly belong is actually a very important part of your health. I took a class for my undergrad. I can't remember the name of it, but it was something about like lifelong health. And it was a psychology course, like a, I don't even know what it was called. But one of the parts of the course talked about how in the later stages of life, one of the number one things that cause elderly health to deteriorate is the diminishing social aspect of their lives. The people that they talk to or they've known for many years sometimes die off. You know, their children grow up and move on. They don't push themselves to continue to have a social network. And it's an important part of your mental and your whole self-health is having people that you care about, having people that you want to spend your time with. It's integral into thriving as a human being. I feel like this wave of technology in the last 20 years has brought us to a point where people are more secluded. And I do feel that there's a link between that seclusion and this uptick of anxiety type symptoms because really relating to people face to face is not just something that's fun. You know, it's not just something that you go out and you're like, oh yeah, good times, good times. It's important to your health. You guys listening to me, you need people in your life that you see and spend time with. Now, I know COVID has changed things. This past year has been crazy, right? It's been absolutely crazy. And in many ways, we've isolated ourselves because we've had to. But I'm telling you, this stuff is not going to last forever. And when it's all over, I want you guys to make it a priority to approach your social health and make it a thing. Go out, see people you haven't seen. Rekindle those friendships that feel so distant and faded off into the distance right now. FaceTime with people. Spend, find ways to spend time. It's going to start getting warm out. We can, you can get together with people outside. Keep your distance. Keep your mask on. Be safe, but don't put it off just because you're spiteful, that it's not the way that you want it to be. You need that social health, guys. Trust me on this. So the next thing I want to talk to you guys about is this mind-body connection, right? We've talked about the mental health. We've talked about how it's so important to deal with your physical health and your emotional health, your nutritional health, your social health. I also want you to remember that this mind-body connection is very real. So there are some things that you can do to sort of help but also build up your mind-body connection and keep it positive and keep it in the frame where it's going to help you grow as a person. So I'm going to give you some points here to kind of think about in your own life. Self-talk, right? Like that little voice inside your head that says, oh, I can't do something. When you say that I can't or I shouldn't, you've already decided the fate of that situation in your mind. You're creating a fence around that situation. You're giving yourself a ceiling, right? You're cutting your own potential. Whatever it might be, it could be anything. It could be taking a risk. It could be applying for a new job. It could be, you know, approaching someone that you have feelings for. It could even be facing a situation that's frustrating for you or maybe isn't serving you in your life. Whatever it is, if you say you can't 
Well, you're, you're already making up the decision in your mind. So you might as well either not think about it anymore, or you've got to turn it around and stop saying, I can't or I won't. Try to say yes to more things. I promise you, your life is going to feel fuller. My gramps used to always say, mind over matter. I really think he was right. If you convince yourself of something and you're paving the way for negative things or you're paving the way for positive things. You know, if you say you can't and then you try, you're paving the way for nerves and negative thoughts and worries and all that stress, everything. Okay. But if you say, you know what, I'm just going to take this one step at a time. You don't even have to say like, oh yeah, I'm going to own this. Like, okay, cool. If you want to go that far, great. But if you just want to be realistic, stay open-minded. That's the other choice. You don't have to be fake optimistic. I think that's one of the things where people get caught up in like, oh, the positive mindset. So you want me to be fake in my own life? No, be open-minded. Don't shut it down before you've even tried. That's what that's what it is. View those challenges as opportunities for growth all the time. Every single challenge that comes up in your life is an opportunity for growth. It's not something where you're supposed to turn it around, put your tail between your legs and walk away. Growing pains are real. Growing pains, guys, they're real for kids, like really physically, but they're also real for adults. Growing pains can happen emotionally. They can happen spiritually. They can happen physically. No pain, no gain. You can grow through your social network. You can grow through your professional network. You can grow through your own personal identity. There are so many ways for growth in your life. You don't have to do them all all at the same time. Focus on one, focus on two, whatever you think you can handle. But just know that growing pains are real. I'll give you an example. I'm in this class right now for my master's and it's a professional writing class. And this past week we were learning how to write professional proposals. The focus is a campus initiative. So like we're supposed to pull an idea that we see a need for on, on you know, in like academia and then decide how we would propose a solution to that void. And these reports that we've had to build up to the proposal and the research that we had to do up leading to the proposal was not necessarily hard. It was just something I really had to focus on. You really have to dive deep into this thing that you've researched as a need and that you want to figure out a solution for. So I'm sitting writing this proposal and I can feel it in my head. Like I'm like, okay, I'm on the brink of just shutting down right now. I've got all these sources. I've got data. I've got, you know, I'm trying to format my paper. I'm trying to do all these different things, pull all this and find all this information that's valid to this problem. And and then it's supposed to be formatted a certain way. It's just, it was a lot. And in that moment, I told myself, I'm growing. I've never done this before. It feels a little strange. It's that growing pain in my head. But you have to remember that if you ever feel uncomfortable about doing something, you're new to it, it's not your typical thing. I want you to ride that wave. Stay steady because you're growing. Growth is never comfortable. It's not supposed to be. Growth isn't easy. It's not supposed to be. Not everybody grows. You have to try. 
your thoughts, your feelings, your beliefs, your attitudes, everything can grow, but you have to do it. You have to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. If you just stay where you're comfortable, there's not room for growth there. You have to push yourself a little bit, just a little bit outside of that boundary. So this leads me into just honoring your mental health needs. You know, if you're pushing yourself outside of a boundary or let's say you're just having a tough day, learn to ask yourself, what do I need right now? Am I in the mental space to learn at this moment, for example? I've had to take breaks through my schoolwork, through anything that I'm doing, that I'm learning something new or I'm pushing myself. I've had to take breaks. But even if you are just doing something in your normal day and it feels overwhelming, what do you need right in that moment? Do you need a break? Take a break. Go outside, walk around for five minutes, get some fresh air. Do you guys remember Jiminy Cricket? from Pinocchio and bringing back some old memories here. But Jiminy Cricket sang his little song to Pinocchio and he said to always let your conscience be your guide. Do you remember that? Some of you may not have ever seen Pinocchio, but it's a good one. You should check it out. It's a Disney movie. It's one of the classics. Well, it was a childhood movie about, you know, telling the truth. But if you give your conscience more power over your choices, you're going to see that you can let your inner voice make a lot of the decisions in your life. It sounds strange. I know it does. We want our we want to use our brains for decisions, right? Like, oh, yeah, I thought through that. But that's not the only thing you should be listening to. Listen to your brain. I'm not telling you to not do that because, you know, you've got your rational thinking in there. But I also want you to listen to your body, listen to your heart, listen to your soul. They're all speaking to you. And you just have to ask yourself, are you listening? Feel that pit in your stomach. Feel that knot in your throat. Feel that nervousness that you feel, that body buzz of anxiety in the moments that you feel it. Your body's telling you that you need something. Feel it. If you have a headache, feel it. Your body's telling you something. A lot of times having a headache is the fact that you're dehydrated. All you need to do is drink water. So many of us are perpetually dehydrated. We don't drink enough water. And every day, every day, every day it starts to build up and it's a stress on your body when you're not consuming enough water. This is just an example. But I'm telling you, if you can start listening to your whole body, it's going to help a lot when it comes to honoring your own health needs. What do you really, really need? And understanding that threshold is important too. Like, you know, having some tried and true grounding coping skills are key. Like for me, getting fresh air is one, being in nature, being with animals is a huge reset for me. Talking with close friends can help. And sometimes it's just giving myself truly time to relax or a minute to cry. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it that I cry to cope with things. Who's it hurting? I'm not hurting anyone by crying. So if you're not hurting anyone and you have something that helps you cope, do it. Figure out what your coping mechanisms are. Focus on healthy ones. Stay away from self-talk like, oh, I really need a drink right now. Even if you rarely drink, try not to tell yourself that because you probably just need something else. It sounds, you know, sort of like socially popular thing to say like, oh, I need a drink. I get it. But If you can sort of leave that out for a moment, just think about what you really actually need. It's probably not a drink. Or some people are like, I could just rage right now. Okay, well, I would choose something that's more positive and productive because raging might not be the solution either. 
just be open to some other things and figure out what you really need. Instead of just filling in the blank with something that you habitually say, decide on what you actually need. You'll be surprised. For example, I'm I'm like a fixer. I'm a helper. I'm that person that always wants to help everybody around me. A lot of times I'll forget about my own needs and I'll forget what I need to kind of be healthy and in a good state of mind. I put everybody before me. It's, it's just something that I've always done and it's, it's something I'm learning about that I have to sort of restrain from doing all the time. So the question that I ask myself is like, how is this serving me? And I know that sounds sort of selfish. Like, how do you put your own feelings and things before everyone else all the time? That's not really what I'm saying. It doesn't always have to mean that you're directly benefiting. Perhaps you're just being there for a friend and they need you. How is it serving you? Well, it can be time in in space where you get to see the depth of your own friendship capabilities, right? Let your actions speak. Be there for that person. You know, are you a good listener? You know, can you share some of your life experiences with that person to kind of help them? And in some ways that helps you too because you're sharing things that you feel strongly about, right? But if a situation comes up where you're serving someone else and all of a sudden you realize you're stressed, you're upset, you're worried, and it's a situation that's not directly related to your own life, it might be time to set some healthy boundaries. I have another episode coming up soon. I'm going to talk about those healthy boundaries um, a little bit more because it's really sort of a whole episode in and of itself. But I've had to learn to do this with friends and family. It's not always fun. It's not easy taking a step back saying like, you know what, I wish you the best, but I, I just, it's too much for me. And sometimes that's what you have to do. If it's a detriment to your own mental health, it's okay to pull away from situations like that. Which leads me into another topic, which is knowing when to cut ties. You have to be willing to to accept the fact that sometimes these people that you have in your life may not be good for you in certain ways. And it can take just as much energy to stay in a bad relationship. And I'm not even talking about just with people. I'm talking about with food or, you know, it could be anything. But a lot of times it is like a significant other or friends. But it can take as much energy to stay in it than it is to leave it. If you feel like something is continuously exhausting you or draining your energy or, you know, you're finding yourself crying or stressing about this thing on a repeated basis and it's not even your situation, you really should put some thought into the work that I'm continuously doing. I could focus that energy on just healing and moving on and it it would have an end to it, right? Remember this, it's your responsibility to maintain your own mental health. It's not anybody else's. I'm going to say it again. It's your responsibility to maintain your own mental health. No one can help you with your mental health. Think about it. You have to do the work, right? I mean, yeah, you could go see a counselor, but you're still doing the work. If you're not open to help, I'm telling you, a counselor isn't going to help you. You have to be willing to do that work. So if no one can help you with your mental health, what makes you think you can help someone with theirs? It's a lot to think about, but it's true. And you can offer help. You can offer advice. You can do certain things. But at some point, once you realize that those things are hitting a brick wall and they're not permeating that person's zone and you're not helping them, you're wasting your breath. It's time to move on. So you have to remember, it's your responsibility to maintain your own mental health. So here's my call to action for you guys. And I always try to include one of these. I want you guys to find a stressor in your life and work to compartmentalize it. So here's what I mean. Figure out something that stresses you out or something that's causing you to like lose sleep at night or this thing that's like just racking in your brain all the time, right? Identify that thing. Really, really think about it and dig. 
Get to the root of the problem. Then I want you to decide where and when that thing belongs to have a place in the forefront of your mind. The question is, is it all the time? Well, probably not, right? There's a time and a place for you to think about that thing. Decide where that thing belongs and make sure you take time away from that thing in your head that's driving you crazy. That stressor. Take breaks. Find a way to separate away from it. One way to handle this head on is to sort of like make a point to find peace or closure with that thing. So you can find ways to like think through or talk through so you can find closure. Sometimes it helps to talk to a friend, like get a good friend and just tell them like, look, I need to talk through something with you. I need to vent, you know, and a good friend will be there to listen to you. If you don't have anyone to share with, you could journal or you could even record yourself talking if it's something you don't want to share. Maybe it's really personal, but you'll be surprised how powerful that talk is, that that talk just getting it out through words. And sometimes you're going to think in circles, but you're going to want to find that closure. Maybe not necessarily solve the problem, but how can you lay it to rest for the time being? So just start with that one thing and see how you feel the next day about it then right? After you've talked about it with a friend or whatever, if it's still festering, talk about it or journal about it again. And then I want you to really push yourself to focus your energy on processing your feelings and thoughts with that thing. And eventually it's going to calm that wound so you can actually begin to move on. So I want you guys to try that. Just start with one thing in your life that's stressing you out and devote some time to really process it and see how it sort of evolves day after day. And eventually you're going to see like, oh yeah, okay, I feel like I have some closure, right? You just, you want to get to that point where you're like, well, what else can I do? You know, I've done it all. I've thought through it all. It's going to be really important. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode on mental health. I think there's a lot more to it, but how do you approach that whole self-help? And, you know, it is a journey. I don't want you to feel like you need to start with a million things. Just pick one thing. out. Try to fix it up a little bit, right? So before I let you go, I just want to relay a heartfelt thank you through the sound waves from my soul to yours. I always appreciate your time. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, if you liked it, could you share it? Would you be willing to share it with someone? Share it with someone who you think would benefit. See how it goes. Head over to floatonpodcast.com to add us on social media and see updates. I'm your host and producer, Dahlia Jean, and until next time, float on.